Hey fellow superhero cinephiles, did you know that almost 30% of adults say they haven't read a book in the past year? The primary reason why is a lack of time. Well, Audible's here to help with the gift of found time. Thanks to Audible, you can listen to audiobooks like Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, or Slugfest, inside the epic 50-year battle between Marvel and DC. Read up on the history of superheroes in comics and movies with Grant Morrison's Super Gods. You can also check out Vanguard, my original superhero novel series, or try The Vril Agenda or The Adventures of Fortune McCall, both of which were written by our dearly departed host emeritus, Derek Ferguson. Whatever you're looking for, Audible has thousands of titles that you can consume while commuting, exercising, cooking, or just relaxing at home. And not only audiobooks, an Audible membership also gives you access to tons of content like podcasts, theatrical performances, and exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. To give you a taste of what you can get, Audible has partnered with this show to provide listeners with a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod, and with your free trial, you get one free audiobook and two free Audible originals. In fact, you get to keep those titles even if you cancel before the trial is over. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod and start your free trial today. You know, this is the first piece of clothing I've ever bought for myself. That? Yeah, you don't like it? Is that like a... an army surplus or...? Okay, it has a lot of pockets. <laughs> but I use them all the time and I made some of my own modifications. Well, yeah, never. <laughs> Shut up. The point is, I've never... I've never had control over my own life before and now I do. I want to do things. I like your vest. God, I knew it. I knew you did. It's so cool, right? It's good. Yes. And you can put so much stuff in there. You wouldn't even know. I really don't know where the red room is, though. I'm sorry. I know. But I think I know somebody who does. Oh, yeah? Who? We're going to need a jet. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and I'm here today with, um, with, a, with a new guest who has been uh, a guest on twice on one, of my, on one of my other shows, and that's a guy I know here in Japan, and that's Ashley Stockdale. Ashley, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Perry? Doing pretty good. Uh, so um, I've had you on Japan on film a few times, but this is the first time we got you on, on this show, and so I just want to give you a few minutes to let you introduce yourself to this audience. Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad to be on this podcast because this is maybe more in my uh, my wheelhouse, as it were. <laughs> so, yeah, I, well, I took my horse dewormer, so I'm ready to go. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I've been in Japan for about 20 years as an English teacher. Uh, I'm kind of a, I wouldn't say lifelong Marvel fan, but a very big Marvel fan from way back in the mid-80s. Uh, my first real... Of course, I had all the, you know, Spider-Man and that kind of thing when I was growing up with the the old psychedelic 70s Spider-Man with the really poor animation, mm. but the awesome theme song. And then, of course, the Incredible Hulk TV series was a big thing when I was a kid. And then I had a passing interest in all of that stuff, but it was maybe in junior high that it really took hold. And I uh, the 
big gateway drug for me was the first Secret Wars series. Oh, okay. Uh, which I know hasn't aged well, but that splash page when I opened that up and saw all the heroes standing on the Beyonders little ship there, and uh, that was my first kind of real introduction to the X-Men. And then after that, uh, me and two buddies decided to start collecting comics, uh, which was tough in our hometown because we lived very far north. I'm from uh, Whitehorse, Yukon in Canada, very far north. No comic shops about at that mm -hmm. time anyway, just newsstand stuff with the spinner rack. Spinner, yeah, yeah. I remember those. <laughs> Mostly Archie comics. Mm -hmm. So really hard to get a full run. But in junior high, uh, one of our classmates, this girl, she said, hey, I have some comics you guys can have. So we we're like, okay, cool. Let's come over to your house and take a look. And literally, she gave us a thousand comic books. Holy crap. So we spent a couple of days carting them to my basement. And then we spread them all out in different piles by title. And then we took turns choosing titles. And for the next five or six years, we collected our various uh, you know, titles that we had chosen. And then occasionally would big swap big runs of comics and stuff like that. So uh, maybe a big highlight of my comic book early days was going to the uh, San Diego Comic Con way back in 85, uh, before it was the kind of mass media nightmare that it is today. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I actually went to San Diego, um, it was about it was four years ago now, um, yeah. Was, yeah, 2017 I went, and mm -hmm. um, that was my, the first time I'd ever been to, to that, that, that convention, and it's because I've been to Chicago Comic-Con before. I used to go every year okay. when I was living out there. But but San Diego is like a whole different world. It's like the whole downtown area becomes nerd central for three days. Yeah. It's insane now. Yeah, I'll see when I was there, it was literally like one, maybe two rooms of convention center with like just folding tables and mm -hmm. stacks of long boxes and, you know, you could smell the sweat on all the artists <laughs> and the writers <laughs> My prized possession from that, though, is uh, an autographed copy of God Loves, Man Kills, signed by Chris Claremont. Oh, that's awesome. I have a graphic novel of that. And I got uh, Thor 337, I think. Mm -hmm. First appearance of Beta Ray Bill. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, signed by Walt Simonson. You know, he might, be, uh, he might be appearing in the next Thor movie. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, that's the, that's the rumor. Because they had his... Oh, yeah, uh, well, they're going to do... They had his statue outside the... Um, the um the grandmaster's palace in the last yeah month. yeah right i wonder if they're gonna lean hard into that as guardians of the galaxy type stuff they might be i don't know it's it, mm. it's taika ytt so you know you don't know yeah. what he's gonna do yeah well it's a really great that he's on there yeah yeah i mean he i mean i enjoyed the first two thor movies don't get me wrong but but yeah. thor ragnarok was just like some next level stuff mm -hmm. who directed the second thor movie second one was um Alan something I can't remember his last name he was a director on Game of Thrones um, huh. um I can't I'm blanking on his name but yeah he had such a bad experience with the fan reaction to that that he like almost dropped out of directing entirely yeah well they're they're being very negative about it but uh, yeah I'm doing an MCU rewatch currently I haven't really gone back to some of them for a really mm -hmm. long time uh probably like first Avenger and stuff like that I hadn't seen in about 10 years and yeah, I mean, yeah, The Dark World is not the best Marvel movie, but it's still a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's of the MCU, the only one that I actually dislike is Iron Man 3. 
That, yeah, I know. I've heard you say yeah. it many times. <laughs> and even, even that, I think, has some redeeming qualities. It does. It does have some redeeming qualities. I do like um, the... I do like that Rhodey got a lot more to do in that. And I do like like some of the lethal weapon type stuff with him and Tony in that. I thought that stuff yep. was really well done. Um, it, it does have some good moments. I'm not going to say it's completely irredeemable, but, and now that, you know, they're retconning the whole Mandarin thing that makes it a little bit easier to swallow. Yes. Well, I was going to say, what well, was the, the real Mandarin coming? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can forget about your. Uh, yeah. Which actually comes out it? today, the day. Ben Kingsley. Uh, ben Kingsley yeah. Um, yep. And, and yeah, the, Shang-Chi comes out today, uh, the day that we're recording this. What is your, what's your plan for that? I know you've been saying recently, like you can't get out of the house, but that's not getting a uh, streaming release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, I, I got to talk to my wife, see if she'll let me go see it on my own. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if she'll let me go see it on my own, then I'll probably go see it maybe today. Maybe I'll wait on, I got friends coming in uh, from out of town tomorrow. So, oh, nice. So maybe I'll wait until after they leave then go see it next Mm -hmm. week then. Um, So we'll see if she's not, because with Black Widow, I knew she wanted to see that. So we, you know, watched it here and Suicide Squad was already going to be on HBO Max for free anyway. So we didn't have to worry about paying anything extra. So, so with this, I'm going to see how much she wants to see it because um, I don't think she's that invested in it. Like we've seen a few of the trailers didn't seem like that you know, keen on it too much. Like she, she's, she's interested in um, let there be carnage and she's interested in no way home, but Shang-Chi eternal. She just kind of, Oh, that looks interesting, but she's not really too grabbed by either one. I don't think. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens because those two that you mentioned, like Shang-Chi and the Eternals are both very much like, I don't know, C level titles, even I would say. Yeah, the way that they said Iron Man was a B hero before the Avengers MCU all kicked off, I would put those guys even further down. Oh, definitely. I'd say they're probably the same level as Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man. Yeah, and and you know those both killed. But you know every time they have one of these things where, you know, I I remember back when Guardians of the Galaxy and the lead up to that movie, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting, you know, an article titled like 10 reasons why Guardians of the Galaxy will be <laughs> Marvel's first big failure. Yeah, well, they just captured the right cast and the right, you know, story, the right director. All mm-hmm. of that was just lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and we'll so I'll they be gotta, interested to see. Especially because they got a good cast with Shang-Chi, especially like, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've seen Kim's Convenience at all. I have. I watched the first season and then uh, I haven't really gone back to it uh, recently because only so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I watched the first season and I think I watched like maybe half the first season uh, a while back. I'm like, oh, that's OK. And then um, several months ago, I was looking for something to watch and stumbled upon it again. I'm like, oh, let me finish this. I never. And and yeah, I really got into it. It, it yeah. gets really better after the, the first season. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, what's, do you know what the, the model is then? Like for Shang-Chi, they're doing 45 days in the theaters and then straight to Disney Plus or to premium access? Oh, I have no idea. I'm not really sure mm-hmm. at all. Because I wasn't really sure they're talking about this, you know, being an experiment of how they're going to do the release models now and uh, Shimu th- Liu getting kind of his panties in a bunch of up. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that was about just more the fact that it was, um yeah i think the guy was i think yeah it was some disney executive who said this is an experiment i think he was talking about the fact that a it's you know a superhero movie with uh an asian lead and i think b he was also talking about 
in this COVID era. So I don't know if they're doing a tip. I think they're trying to go back to the previous release format. I'm not sure. We're going to have to, yeah. I have to look more into it though. Because 45 days, I mean, doesn't really on paper seem like a long time to mm -hmm. wait if it's going to just go straight to Disney Plus after that. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, 45 days is probably enough time to make your money, I suppose. But mm -hmm. you're also going to have the people who don't care enough to go to the cinema. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas I do. I mean, I probably won't see Shang-Chi today just because uh, at um, Tempara, the 10th day, one of the theaters here in Kagoshima, the 10th day is a uh, cheap day. Oh, okay. so that happens to be next Friday. So I think I'll give it a week. And Oh, I should. I didn't know 1200 that. 1200 yen instead of 1900. I didn't know that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just wait until next week then. Yeah. Um, Normally I do late shows, but the cinemas mm -hmm. are all closing by eight o'clock right now. So yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things we we're worried about because the, as we all know, the coronavirus comes out at night more. Yeah. Than <laughs> yeah. We're, Cause we're looking for something to do with when my friends come into town, but we can't yeah. go to like any bars or, or karaoke or anything mm -hmm. like that even. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, we were talking a little bit off the air. Uh, anything you've been you've been watching lately, superhero wise or or reading? Well, or I, like that? I watched the Suicide Squad, and then uh, I've been watching, of course, what's happening on Disney Plus. I watched mm -hmm. the most recent episode of What If. Um, yeah, I just saw that last night myself. I'm not sure what I'm thinking about What If. Like, I like some of them. I don't really, not really enthused about others. I really, really like the Captain Carter episode. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that was because it was the first time I'd really seen that particular animation style or uh, because I had kind of missed Haley Atwell or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the Black Panther one, I, I wasn't really super enthused about, mm -hmm. uh, although it had some good moments. Yeah, I did like the, the Thanos stuff in that one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I felt that I felt kind of the same thing. Like I, I like Captain Carter, um, even though it was basically just a re more or less a retelling of First Avenger. Sure. Um, the Black Panther, the T'Challa stuff, it was, it was okay, but there were definitely some parts where I was just kind of like going in and out. And then I, I was pretty interested in the, um, uh, the third episode with, you know, what if the Avengers hadn't assembled type of yeah. that one I thought was pretty interesting. And then the last, then yesterday's, um, again, that was also kind of like the, the T'Challa one where it didn't really grab me that much. Yeah. But that's kind of yeah, like, mean, it had some interesting concepts, mm -hmm. but yeah. I don't know if you've ever if you ever read the What If comic back in the day. I did. I read a lot of them. They probably maybe the first series, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't remember a single issue to tell you the truth, but yeah, that was the thing. The What If joined the Fantastic Four. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The What If comic was really it. It, it was kind of the same thing as the series. Actually, it was there are some issues that were really good, and there are some that were just kind of like. Yeah, all right. That was oh, that was okay. Well, the thing is with the what if stuff, they've kind of it's kind of dropped off because they have all this multi multiverse stuff now, so they don't need mm. to use a what if comic. Yeah, they can just say, hey, the X Men are young and they're back in this timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Wolverine is dead, but mm. not really. So, what do you think of the Suicide Squad? Then we did an episode about that. Uh, yeah, I recently. listened to it. I I really enjoyed it. Um, certain things i you know were surprising to me mm -hmm. um they had really really promoted the first squad there and then they just died yeah yeah <laughs> i i kind of like that i like that bait and switch i liked they it did. too i was hoping for a little more with flula borg because mm -hmm. <laughs> i think he's quite funny that guy oh okay 
And then I, I didn't really I've know. heard some speculation that uh, TDK is not really dead. Yeah, so. there was uh, something he recently, um, James Gunn recently uh, made a post about that on, on Twitter or something about that, yeah. saying that if you re- if you watch the movie, it just says that he was in critical condition. He wasn't necessarily dead. Yeah. And I thought the villain was fantastic. Like, yeah, it was really, really good, really mm-hmm. gross and, you know, really cute and gross at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I really, the character that I really, really liked the most in that was Ratcatcher too. She fact. was good. She was really good. I uh, really like that. I was really impressed by her too. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever, I had ever seen her in anything before this. No, I think she's, she Portuguese. Something like that. Yeah, I think she and then they, she has a, had a career in Portugal, but I think this is her big uh, American debut. Oh, OK, I see. So, okay. And of course, I mean, Idris Elba is, yeah. you know, he's good in everything. Yeah. Well, and, like, um, well, yeah, like uh, the guest we had on, uh, like Steele said, he, he watched Idris Elba read the phone book and I, I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would be he's fantastic in anything. I'm down mm-hmm. for him to be the next James Bond if they want. That'd be interesting, too. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of hoping for Henry Cavill. Yeah, because um, I think he would be a much better Bond than he would be a Superman anyway. Right. He's got to slim down a bit, I think, doesn't he? Lose some of that muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he could, well, I mean, you think about if he's more of a modern James Bond, I think it right. probably uh, depends on how. what. But if I remember watching um, the Man from Uncle movie he was in several years ago. And yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. Although... It's, it's not really that good, but it's worth right. it just to see him in it because he's just. He's just, you know, charming as hell. And you watch that movie right. and you can easily see him playing Bond. And I, I don't know if I'll be able to forget that Army Hammer is a cannibal now or that whatever's going on with him. What? <laughs> He's had some, you know, I don't know what they're calling it. When he gets outed for his bad behavior and then becomes persona non grata, oh. something about cannibalism was in that. Look it up later. Okay, I'll have to take a look at that. <laughs> okay, uh, anyway, today we're talking about um, the latest MCU movie, and um, that is, uh, well, not the latest, now that Shang-Chi's come out, but mm-hmm. the, the most recent one as of this recording, and that's uh, Black Widow, which, yep. you know, is set between Civil War and uh, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So um, this movie actually had a tough time getting made because, you know, back when after the Avengers movie came out, you know, there was all this buzz about Scarlett Johansson being in a Black Widow movie. But um, one of the things was uh, at that time, Ike Perlmutter was still controlling everything with Marvel. So he had yep. control over Marvel Studios and all that. And for anyone who doesn't know, Ike Perlmutter has a reputation for being a bit of a racist and a bit of a misogynist. And he mm-hmm. felt that... Um, a woman could not carry a superhero movie. Right. And so this was pre Wonder Woman and everything. This was pre Wonder Woman. Yeah. And he was one of the reasons why Captain Marvel took so long to get, to get made as well, because originally the Kevin Feige had wanted, I think Joss Whedon as well, wanted Captain Marvel to actually premiere in age of Ultron. Okay. And she would have first appeared in that, but then that all got pushed back because of Feige or not because mm-hmm. of Feige, because of Perlmutter. And then eventually right. Perlmutter, uh, Feige had got had gotten fed up dealing with him and he threatened to quit. And that's when Disney separated Marvel Studios out from Marvel Entertainment. Right. And then as soon as that happened, they were able to, because um, and all of a sudden all the actors wanted to come back because for a while they're like Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, a lot of them were saying like, oh, I don't know if I'll keep doing Marvel stuff. But then after that, they're all like, oh yeah, we'll stay. 
Mm-hmm. So, so that really kind of changed the game. And then they were able to do Captain Marvel. They were able to push ahead with uh, eventually Black Widow and now Eternals and Shang-Chi and all that, kind of, Black Panther as well, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's made the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. non-canon? Yeah, yeah, that was one of the, the casualties of that because Marvel Television was still part of Marvel Studios or was still mm-hmm. part of Marvel Entertainment. So, so you could see the shift because the Netflix shows as well were originally supposed to be all part of the MCU as well. And yep. you notice there's a lot of references to the Avengers movie in the first season of Daredevil. Right. Um, but after that, they don't really talk about it a whole lot. Mm. And I think it was the the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of established that the timelines had diverged or something at some point. Right. Yeah, well, that's what they can do now, right? With mm-hmm. all this multiverse stuff, they can just right. smash it together whenever they want. Like they did a few years ago with the whole uh, battle world scenario or whatever happened in right, the Marvel yeah. comics. And like they did on, on CW with all, with all their shows with Crisis. Right. That's why Miles Morales is suddenly in the 616. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what were your thoughts uh, watching Black Widow after you know waiting all this time and even after seeing her? Well, death I don't know. Game? I mean, maybe the first thing we should mention is the elephant in the red room, yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is the big the lawsuit. Oh, I you know I I had only read like a few headlines about that, so I'm not really up to speed on on the lawsuit. Well, I mean, just it? from what I understand is that Scarlett Johansson was uh, upset that her contract had been broken and she felt like she could have made a lot more money if they'd gone straight to the theatrical release. Oh, so okay. I don't know if they're going to, if anything will change based on what happens with Shang-Chi, you know, if Shang-Chi makes a billion dollars in 45 days, mm-hmm. maybe she's got a point. And I think, I mean, I think it was mishandled on both sides. I think her coming publicly with a lawsuit was probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And then Disney coming back and saying, oh, you're just disregarding the pandemic and how cold and heartless you are. You want people to mm-hmm. die? That's kind of, you know, a bit much. Yeah, um, yeah. But I feel like Scarlett Johansson's kind of burning a lot of bridges because uh, Disney eventually is going to own everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, but maybe she doesn't need to work anymore. Who knows? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and they also Disney came out and outed her salary and stuff like that. And they're, you know, actually quoting numbers, which is rare for them. Yeah. To say, oh, we gave her 20 million and she's just wanting more on that, which makes people not want to side with her because that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, just based on what you've said, I wonder how much of her claim actually has merit, because it, it's not like the Suicide Squad where it was just released direct to, to streaming with, yeah. you know, no additional purchase. Like, you know, mm. you had to pay 30 bucks to get the premiere access to watch. Black yeah. Wars. I think it's just cause it dropped off so quick, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and then I think it's made there's, I was reading a numbers today. It's about 475 million all told, mm-hmm. which is they're making their money back, but it's still considered to be one of the least performing Marvel movies. Right. But you got to take into account everything that's going on right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think if this movie had come out uh, right after Civil War, do you think it would have made a billion dollars? I don't know if it would have made a billion, but I think it definitely would have done, even disregarding the pandemic, like let's say this came out in the perfect environment where we weren't dealing with the pandemic. I yeah. still think it would have done better if it had come out after Civil War than if it had come out after Endgame. I think releasing a flashback movie after the character has already died, I think that's, yeah. you know, because at least with Captain Marvel, um, 
or with Captain America even, there's, you know that the character is going to be coming back, right? right? So you know you so you know that something's going to happen to them at the end of that movie or something, but you know that there's they're still going to be coming back in a later movie. So you want to watch those yeah. movies for the context. I think with Black Widow, a lot of people probably felt that, well, maybe I can skip this one. Maybe I can wait until it, it comes out on streaming or, or DVD or whatever, because of the fact yeah. that nothing in this movie is needed to understand what's going to happen going forward in the MCU. Sure. Do you think they would have put it straight out after Civil War or after Doctor Strange or Guardians 2 or Spider-Man Homecoming? I mean, at some point in that in that area between Civil War and Infinity War, I think would have been their best bet. I think that's when it would have been. I think, yeah, to me, like if they put it out right after Civil War, I think it would have been a little bit too samey, mm-hmm. you know, because it has kind of a similar tone in many yeah. ways. Yeah. So I think if they had put it out after Doctor Strange or Guardians 2, those were kind of weird enough or different enough that they could go back to the uh, espionage type, you know. Yeah. And it's really. I think you're right. I think it would have worked better as if they had released it as kind of like a, a prequel to, uh, inf- to Infinity War, if it come out like a year yeah. before that or something. Because it really plays a lot in the, at least for, I think for the first, say, 45 minutes to an mm-hmm. hour, it plays really like a Bourne Identity movie. It does, yeah. In a lot of Absolutely, ways. Absolutely, yeah. You know? And it has that kind of dark tone. Mm-hmm. It's not until Nat and Yelena start to really banter back and forth that it really becomes a marvel movie in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, so anyway, what, what did you think uh, of the movie overall? Um, overall, it was good. I've seen it twice. I just watched it again uh, yesterday or this week preparing kind of stop and start and taking notes and stuff. And I, it's kind of different experience. I saw it the first time in the theater and then mm-hmm. the second time on Disney Plus. And then the first time I had very different impressions about certain things. Okay. Like I was convinced when I watched the first part, I'm kind of jumping to the end, but I was convinced that the crashing scene in the end was much, much longer than it Mm -hmm. was. And then when I watched it this time, I was like, Oh, that's not that long. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that feeling with a few different times going back and rewatching movies. It's the same thing though. Like for me, it's when, you know, when you go on a long drive somewhere mm-hmm. and you're going there the first time, it takes a really long time and all the scenery is new. Mm-hmm. And then on the return drive, it takes seemingly much less time Yeah, because your brain has already processed all those things. So they're going more quickly through it. Yeah. So yeah. That was maybe my experience with it. Mm-hmm. I liked it overall, but I kind of, I'm still kind of debating where I would put it in a, like a ranking of certain things mm-hmm. you know in the ranking of the mcu movies mm-hmm. because i don't think it's anywhere close to um civil war for example oh no definitely not and i put yeah. civil war i would put that at the top of my list right now based oh, okay. on my re-watching of the mm-hmm. mcu but endgame might jump up back to the top once i get mm-hmm. to the end but <laughs> civil and war then, used to definitely oh sorry go ahead go ahead no, it was definitely about. much better than, you know, Iron Man 2 or 3 or mm-hmm. The Dark World or those kind of things. So I'd say it's a mid-tier. I'm pretty movie. much the same. Like, I used to have Civil War at the top of my list. Um, but on rewatches, it's it's kind of fallen down the list a little bit. Uh, it's, okay. it's not as interesting on rewatches as it was the first time, I, I found. Yeah. Um, but, but it is still, toward. I think it's probably still, like, in the top 10, maybe, at least. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I agree. This would definitely be a mid-tier movie. Um, yeah, better. I, I'd rank it above Iron Man 2 and, and Thor and the Dark World and all that. 
Um, yeah. Probably somewhere below Ant-Man or something along those lines. Like, Yeah, see, I would have more fun with Ant-Man than mm-hmm. this one too. Same here, yeah. Um, but I think it's also, I mean, some of it for me, honestly, I mean, not to make people mad or anything, but Scarlett Johansson is not my favorite. Oh, yeah. You know, like there's just, there's something about her delivery sometimes that just, mm-hmm. and I don't know, a part of it is a holdover, I think, for me, because the first time I really remember seeing her was way back in Ghost World. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she was the disaffected teenager. So she had that kind of teenager, like, deadpan delivery mm-hmm. and it's kind of stuck with her in a way mm-hmm. yeah not yeah. as bad as keanu reeves <laughs> but, <laughs> you know but still there's something about her that sometimes annoys me when mm-hmm. i'm watching so and i think that the the in this movie the supporting cast was very very good yes yeah the, so. it, it kind of reminded me uh, of Black Panther in that way, in that the supporting cast was far more interesting to me than the central character. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think this was really uh, Yelena's movie. I think so too. And I think that's a big part of, I think if not for Yelena, this movie would not have been made. Like a big part no. of this movie is setting up Yelena for, for kind of like, you know, taking the Black Widow mantle going forward. Well, see, that's another thing I, I had with my issues about the release date. You know, people were complaining when the reviews were first coming out and saying, oh, it's been far too long. We've been waiting too long for this. But mm-hmm. if we hadn't waited, neither Florence Pugh nor David Harbour would have been in this movie. That's a good point, too. You know, because David Harbour's star was not where it was. He was not hopper from stranger things he was mm. not hellboy yet well i don't think and anybody Florence... cares about the fact that he was hellboy <laughs> that might be a no. mark against him <laughs> but uh you know then florence Pugh was not on the radar at all yet yeah you yeah. know she might have even just been starting out when this if this movie had come out in 2016 or whatever mm-hmm. so and she like i don't know she just stole all of the attention i thought yeah, her and David Harbour were definitely the stars of the show, I felt. Yeah. Um, uh, her, um, like, just her relationship and just, like, her character arc, it was... Because Natasha doesn't really have much of a character arc in this movie. It's, yeah. or, I mean, there is one, but it, it's kind of hard to see because it feels like it's, it's stuff that she's already been through. It's kind of like right. a repeat of her arc from Iron Man 2 to Age of Ultron. <laughs> Right. Well, see, that's kind of why I was watch decided to do a, a rewatch after we decided to set this up. Mm-hmm. Is I really wanted to look at Black Widow's character development throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. You know, through the whole MCU, starting with the Iron Man two, where she was basically eye candy. Right. Yeah. You know, there was a lot. If you really go back and look at all the shots, there's so much ass in those yeah. movies. Yeah. Like and her hair in the last fight, <laughs> you know, all the ringlets and that. I did and like then, her hair in that movie, though. I thought that I thought that was a really yeah. cool look, though. And then you know she goes through and she starts to develop a bit more character. We see a lot more of her relationship with Clint, mm-hmm. which is good. Uh, we get the red in the ledger ideas. Um, do you? I have a question. Do you think that when they made the Avengers? they had in mind they were going to use the Dracoff's daughter thing in this Oh, movie? no. I think that was just... Um, I think that may have been something... I'm not as familiar with Black Widow's history, 
but yeah. I think that was a holdover from the comics and they just threw it in there as a way to, you know, have some reference to, to stuff that happened during the comics. Yeah. Um, Cause they'll do a lot of that in, um, in the MCU, they'll throw in these little things here and there. And then, and, um, and something that, you know, when we had Adam on the show the first time, then, and he knows some people who who are been doing stuff at Marvel. And one of the things he said is that they don't really they make it look like they've got a set plan for everything, yes. but they really yeah, don't. Yeah. So yeah, I heard that episode. I totally agreed with him on that. But they must have a whole team of people who are like looking for little Easter egg continuity things, like, oh, remember this? Put this in there, change this guy's name to that. I think that's something that they do. I think that's something that Marvel is able to do really well. And that was a weakness with the when you compare it to the, the Fox X-Men films is right. that with, when the MCU does something like this and they're going to revisit something that they've done in the past or they've touched on in the past, they go back and they rewatch those movies to make sure that yeah. everything fits together. And um, the X-Men movies, they never did that. So you yeah. have- The X-Men movies is like a new movie every time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, I I'm mean- not. <laughs> I remember when um, First Class came out and- nobody knew if it was a reboot or if it was uh, if it was a prequel or what because you had some producers were saying oh it's a reboot we're rebooting the whole thing and then some producers were saying no it's not a reboot it's a prequel right and you could definitely see that when you look at the movie and you realize and that's even before they had started messing with the timeline in in days of future Mm. past but then you go back and you look at (laughs) first class and you look at x-men origins and the last stand you realize a lot of stuff doesn't fit together here yeah yeah and then even going back to the widow widow's character and you know the whole her development i mean she for a lot of it she was just the token female Mm -hmm. um i think she gets the some of her best stuff in the winter soldier uh and in civil war uh when she's doing the kind of the I would call it almost like the secret Avengers team with Cap and Falcon and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where they're more a counterterrorism unit, you know? That was actually one of the, one of the things that I wish they would do is they do like something. I wish we had gotten to see a little bit of that secret Avengers team, something, something that show what's going on with the Avengers in that time between. And I was hoping yep. we'd see, maybe some hints of that here but we don't really get enough of it to really kind of scratch that itch i felt in this movie yeah well that's i mean it's the unfortunate thing i was thinking about that today like all the things that i would like to see but Mm. like there's no way we can see everything we want to see perry yeah yeah that's true (laughs) um but you know i mean with what i think it would be cool is if they did something like uh dc is doing with um with their digital comics is they've got, you know, they got the Batman 89 comic. Now they got the Superman right. 78. So it would be kind of cool if they did like um, some MCU comics that were set in these in-between times. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd think, really like to see that kind of. And I think that would also be a good way to bring in some of these other um, uh, bring it, bring in some people from the movies into the comic books. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, then, I mean, that kind of stuff was good with her with the Secret Avengers stuff, but I mm-hmm. really, I hate the banner, her relationship, like that just doesn't, Yeah, I never liked her and the Hulk. Yeah, we talked Hulk about that in the, thing. yeah, we talked about that in when we covered Age of Ultron, um, mm-hmm. Derek's last episode, and yeah. that was something, you know, we had kind of felt too, that it just, it didn't really, 
I mean, we weren't, we didn't hate it as much as, you know, some people on the internet did, but also it just, it felt kind of tacked on like, well, yeah. she's the only, he's the only one that she could really be in a relationship with. Well, I actually, I just listened to your Age of Ultron episode yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the one good thing that came out of that whole relationship was <laughs> Derek's joke. <laughs> I was laughing and laughing and laughing about the Hulk smash. <laughs> <laughs> I got to I got to go re-listen to that episode again. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. So, yeah, and so that kind of stuff, like I I didn't really think it was really necessary for her mm-hmm. and then yeah, I don't I can't like I say it's partly her, you know, mm-hmm. honestly, but I don't know if they had cast another actor if it would make a difference. Right. I've also never been a huge fan of um Jeremy Renner's casting as Hawkeye. Oh, okay. But I think the character development has been pretty good overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't really, he doesn't, he's not my comic book image of Clint Barton. You know? um, back when I first heard of him, because I'd only seen him in the Hurt Locker at that point. And I thought yeah. the, his performance in Hurt Locker, I thought lent, had a lot of Hawkeye type qualities. Okay. Um, and I think, and I, I, I like him as Hawkeye. I think a lot of people, um, I don't know. I think he gets, I think he gets unfairly maligned a lot in, uh, by a lot of people. Um, and I think he's, I think there's a lot more to his character, but I think people were just so turned off by how small the presence he had in the, in the first Avengers movie that they just never really kind of were willing to give him a chance after that. Right. They never forgave that. Yeah. 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 That's why I'd like to see more, like I say, with the secret Avengers kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. like he would be an excellent asset on that team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just Falcon, Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, that kind of thing as mm-hmm. a, like a counterterrorism type unit. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, who knows? Because one of the things that the the Hawkeye TV series is going to be doing is it's going to be introducing the the Kate Bishop version. So yep. who even knows how much longer Jeremy Renner is going to actually be, be Hawkeye? Right. Well, yeah, he's got his own issues, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, um, uh, yeah, I'm really I'm very hopeful for the Hawkeye series. Um but I kind of, I have in my mind, because Kate Bishop is such a kind of a fresh character, mm-hmm. she what, about 10 years old now? A little more than that, I think. Something, but something Maybe along. Well, starting with the Young Avengers team. Yeah, yeah. And then, I don't even remember how the Young Avengers team came about. Were the Avengers dead? <laughs> so it was, um, it was during a brief period after the, the Avengers disassembled before the, the new Avengers. So yeah, it was uh, yeah in, right, right, right. So it was in, it was in 2005. That was when right. they premiered. Okay. Wow. 2005 already. Yeah. Good grief. Cause she's kind of developed over the years into like a very particular type of character in yeah. my mind. So I kind of liken it to, you know, reading the Harry Potter books and then having my image of what they should be like. And then Mm -hmm. a movie coming out very quickly after that. Mm -hmm. And there will be a period of adjustment where I have to adapt to how, uh, what's her name? Who's the actress? I think it's uh, Haley Stanfield. Haley Stanfield. Yeah. Anyway, she, the way she portrays it will be very, it'll kind of catch me or or make me annoyed Mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder where it's going to lead. I mean, mm. I kind of, I'm hoping to see a, uh, a young Avengers team or. I think they're building to young Avengers because they've got, they've got Kate appearing in there. They've already introduced um, uh, Isaiah Bradley and right. Falcon and winter soldier. And, and they introduced the whole thing with, with Josiah. Um, no, not, no. Isaiah Bradley is the, was the first captain America. And then 
Elijah is his grandson. Yeah. And then we're going to get Hulkling out of Secret Invasion or something. We might. I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't heard about. He's that, a scroll, isn't he? He's a. He's um. He's part scroll, part Cree. He's um, right. Okay. The the son of Captain Marvel and um and and some scroll woman. I can't remember who she is. Yeah, and somehow maybe Wanda's kids will actually be real. Right. That that too, because they've introduced uh Tommy and Billy now, and then also they're going to have um. Uh. They've got Cassie Lang too. They recast her for right. uh, Quantumania. Yeah. Well, see, I kind of wonder if they aren't going to push Miss Marvel into that group as well. I think age-wise, that was something I was also thinking as well. They might they might push her into the Young Avengers too. So it'll be kind of a Young Avengers champions type mm-hmm. model. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's what it, that's kind of what it seems like they're heading towards. And of course, they still got Miles Morales had exists well, somewhere in this in this universe because. Um, they had uh, Donald Glover played his uncle in Far From right, Home, right, right. in, in uh, Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much. Like, it's mm. unreal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can go forever, honestly. Oh, as yeah. As long as people keep buying tickets. Uh, one thing I think is they, they may have to start cutting back the budgets a little bit. But uh, Well, I mean, who knows? Because Disney's got more money than God. So. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, I did like, um, I want to mention a few other things about, about Florence Pugh. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in this movie was, was her vest, that whole yep. interaction. <laughs> it's cool, right? I knew you like <laughs> Well, she, that, and that moment, I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's played as a joke, mm-hmm. but like, there's a very deep kind of heartbreaking thing to it as well, where that's the first piece of clothing she's ever bought herself exactly yeah you know it's the first time she's ever been free or had any kind of mind to do anything on her own mm-hmm. i kind of wondered that watching yesterday because i watched the post credits sequence and then she was wearing you know a very like a very plaid kind of outfit that was quite bright and mm-hmm. i don't know i'm not a fashion guy so i don't know if that's fashionable or it was kind of played as this is what somebody would buy if they had never really bought their own clothes <laughs> that's a good you point know. yeah but yeah i mean florence Pugh's emotional range in this movie just blows everybody out of the water yeah you know? i don't think i had ever seen her in anything before this because i was just looking well her i watched her in i hadn't seen midsummer yet but it's coming to uh netflix next week i believe okay i actually have nice. midsummer but i haven't watched it yet yeah i'm kind of i hear it's very uh intense that's what <laughs> i've heard too yeah yeah and then uh, I had seen her just a little while ago in the uh, WWE movie, Fighting With My Family. Oh, okay. Where she plays uh, the pro wrestler Paige, who mm-hmm. was kind of a big female WWE star. Oh, okay. Uh, in maybe a few years ago and has mm-hmm. had some, she's had some health problems and some scandal issues recently, but mm-hmm. it's based on a true story of a wrestling family in uh, the UK. And then kind of tracing Paige's journey into the big show at the mm-hmm. WWE. Uh, Nick Frost plays her father in oh, the movie. Oh, okay. okay. And, so, and uh, Lena Hedy? Hedley? Hedy. I think it's Hedy. Yeah, she plays the mother. And they're kind of a wrestling family that has their own small promotion in the UK. Oh, okay. uh, before she makes the big show mm-hmm. and so that kind of movie that gave that showed her physicality because i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure she did a lot of the uh, wrestling stuff herself mm-hmm. in that movie but 
I'm surprised by one of the things that was interesting to me when I was watching her and Scarlett together on screen is that I thought she was very short. Florence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't not. notice. I think she's she's the same height or taller than Scarlett Johansson. Really? So but I wonder if they did that. She, I wonder if they maybe did that on purpose because they because that's kind of the thing with with Tom Cruise because he's actually yep. really short in real life. And right. so they always kind of film it. So he looks like he's the same height or taller. Hmm. I think it may also be like to do with body type as well, mm -hmm. because one thing about Florence Pugh is that she is not the kind of skinny supermodel type. Right. Yeah. You know, she looks fit and strong and, mm -hmm. you know, like she can kind of throw a punch and, you know, she looks tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but um, yeah, all those emotional moments with her and just the looks she was giving through the whole movie. Mm -hmm. You know, the first confrontation where she meets uh, Nat in the apartment in Budapest and then she sees Nat take off her shirt and she's got the bruises on her back and you can see her face kind of drop. Mm -hmm. uh, the dinner table sequence. When dinner table sequence Alina. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know. um, and just and the scene with her and um, and uh, and David Harbour and the and Alexi in the in the room, too. And yeah, that was also a really great scene, too. Yeah. And those things are so, I mean, they're so short, but just all it takes is one little look. Right. You know, <laughs> and I just, I really loved Florence Pugh. She's just so, the character Yelena is just so blunt and sarcastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, well, I was gonna, that was actually something I was going to ask you is, uh, are you familiar at all with her character from the comics? And not at all. Honestly. Okay. So I thought she was, it was definitely interesting because um, I don't, I've read a few things with her in the comics, but she had never really impressed me too much. She was just, just kind of like an evil black widow basically is just yeah. how she's always been. And Florence Pugh really brought a lot more depth to her, her character than I felt she ever really had in the comics. I don't know. I haven't read her, her earliest appearances. So I, I, when this movie came out, they had a black widow sale on comiXology. So I bought those books yeah. now. I just haven't gotten around to them yet. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I, I would say I haven't read a whole heck of a lot of Black Widow comics. Mm -hmm. You know, I read the uh, Wade Samney. That was series. great. Yeah, I just I just reread that recently. And that's uh, mo mostly because I really like that creative team. Yeah, their their Daredevil was was amazing. Yeah. Um, Didn't they do the Hawkeye series, too? No, that was uh, that was David. That was uh, Matt Fraction David, and David Aja. Yeah. Uh, right, 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 right. And then the Aja is a little bit similar. They're, yeah, they both both Aja and Sam Nee had that more kind of minimalist art style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Sam Nee's a bit more kinetic though than Aja's style. Right. Like Aja's um, much more, much more like pop art. I guess I'd classify it more as. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was another good one too. I think um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Aja also did Iron Fist with Fraction and Brubaker. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, David Harbour too, you know, he was also someone who like, I, I, I watched the first season of stranger things, but, um, I don't know. Stranger things just never really grabbed me the way, like it, it grabbed the rest of the world. Even my yeah. wife, like she's, she's obsessed with it. She, she keeps checking Netflix like every day to see when the new season's up. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I really liked it. I watched all three seasons. Yeah, I gotta go through and I gotta rewatch the first season, and then you know, continue on and watch the. Rest it, they're of very it. different. They get very weird. Mm -hmm. Like I would say, the third season and the first season are totally different shows. Yeah, honestly. So, so, uh, so he really impressed me uh, in this too. Uh, mm -hmm. Just like 
I, I thought the Red Guardian thing, I thought like when we they met when they had this him in the suit in the in the trailer, I thought that was just gonna be like a joke thing. I didn't expect it to be such a big part of his character in this movie. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that, that was there was a funny bit that somebody said. I don't know who said it first, but uh at the end of season three of Stranger Things, uh mm-hmm. David or Harbor's character, Sheriff Hopper, ends up getting captured by the Russians. Oh, really? So <laughs> some people are saying that's how he became the Red Guardian. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I thought it, the Red Guardian stuff was really good. I I was kind of impressed with his whole, um, just his, the style that he did it in, because he's mm-hmm. such a, uh, I mean, he's one of those lovable bear characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's very, um, I can't even think of the word. Like, he's he's got no filter he's a bit of a Mm. narcissist but his heart's in the right place you know uh he says stupid things but immediately regrets it well i did love (laughs) one of my favorite scenes of this when he's he's confessing to who he thinks is natasha in the cell next to him and then they get out and he finds out it's not her it's actually melina and then he thinks he's got the earpiece so he starts doing the whole speech again and then Melina's like, she can't hear you. You don't have an earpiece. <laughs> yes. Well, Rachel Weiss was really good too because she was just so deadpan with all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, I especially liked her. I did. I missed it the first time, but uh, at the very end when they meet up and Nat asks, "Are you okay?" and she says, "I'm very clearly injured." <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I haven't seen Rachel Weiss in, in. I can't remember the last time I had seen her in anything. She hadn't. Been, no, I hadn't seen really her in a month. for a long time either. She's just busy being James Bond's wife, I guess. Oh, really? I think she's married to Daniel Craig, and she. I did not know that. I wasn't aware I think of that. So, yeah, I um, think they've been married for years. Yeah, looking at this, the last thing she had been in was in 2018. Um, oh, really? And, and it looks like it's just like a bunch of small movies. Like I hadn't. The last big movie it looks like she was in was um, Oz. Okay. Which was yeah, back I mean, in the 2013. Only, the, I don't honestly remember her from too much, except for the uh, the Mummy series. The and Mummy then, series. Uh, she was in, wasn't she in, what was that sniper movie, the Russian sniper movie with Jude Law? Stalingrad? Um, I don't know. I didn't see that one. But she was also in, um, I remember she was also in uh, Constantine. And oh, okay. um, she was also in, um, she was in a bunch of movies for a while in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Like she was She was like in everything. She was in uh, Confidence. She was in... Um, uh, Runaway Jury with with John Cusack and okay. a bunch of other movies around that time. Like she was appearing in everything. Yeah, well, I kind of had her. Her and uh, Kate Winslet were very similar types. Mm-hmm. I thought so. Yeah, maybe Kate Winslet took over some of her parts and maybe yeah, kind of yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was very good casting for sure mm-hmm. with that as well. But yeah, yeah, I read that they were really, really intent that they said they wanted to get Rachel Vice for that part. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with her character in the comics. She's somebody called Iron Maiden. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not as familiar with uh, Black Widow's history. So Yeah, I just kind of um, looked it up. And apparently she was a character called Iron Maiden, who was originally a rival of the Black Widow. But I think it's, again, just a case of we need a name that's recognizable from the comics. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm Let's looking it up now. Yeah, Melina Vostokov. So yeah, she was originally in um, Marvel Fanfare in 1983, and she was um, she was called the Iron Maiden, um, and she was actually a successor to Black Widow. Oh, okay. and and um, 
yeah, they, it's, it's interesting now to see how they kind of rework these different relationships because uh, Yelena as well was a successor to, to Black Widow. Um, yep. And then you have Red Guardian, who in the comics was actually Natasha's husband. Right. Yeah, which is creepy and gross. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, although so, yeah, I, I'm not as whole... familiar with, yeah, I'm not as familiar with that version, the Alexi version of Red Guardian from the comics. I was mostly mm -hmm. familiar with um, the, I think it was the second Red Guardian, who was... Okay. Uh, the the female red guardian uh tanya oh, Blitzky. i never even knew there was a female red guardian yeah i knew her because she was a big part of uh steve gerber's defenders run oh, okay and, and that was just uh that was an amazing series of comics back in the day yeah i know i'd, I'd been familiar you know just in passing with the winter guard a little bit because mm -hmm. they would kind of, they'd occasionally come up in maybe avengers comics or they might have even crossed over with the x-men once or twice yeah they, because uh, they had because they had some crossovers Colossus, I think Dark Star as well. She was a she was a Dark yeah. Star and Vanguard were were both mutants, so there was some crossover there. Oh, so is Ursa Major. Yeah, Ursa Major as well. That was another one too. Yeah, the guy who played uh, Ursa Major in the movie there, he said he's now officially the first uh, mutant in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not they agree with that, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens <laughs> with because my if my theory proves to be correct, I think it, they're going to wreck on Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver into being into being mutants. Right. Yeah, I, the whole, I mean, the whole prison sequence was quite interesting and fun, mm. I thought, but also like a little disturbing when you think about it, mm -hmm. like how many people died in that avalanche. I was thinking the same thing when I saw that, <laughs> when I saw that scene, in the, the first time I saw the movie. Like, yeah. Um, now, what did you think? I was curious uh, about the prison, actually, though, like, do they not have any power dampening equipment in that prison? Uh, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, even he... in... Even in the raft, it didn't seem like they had really had any power dampening stuff, did they? No, that's not something they've really introduced in the MCU yet then. Yeah, I don't think so. Not really. Because that's pretty standard in the comics is every time they go to a prison, they have a power dampening collar or whatever. Or Right. Or it's like the cells have some sort of yeah. measures or something like that. I think that, that was the big thing about the vault is like each cell was like specifically designed or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, because he just, you know, at any time, it seems like mm -hmm. he could have punched his way out of there. Well, I, mean, no, I, I guess... really like the fact that he was quite spry, like mm -hmm. when they said, you know, hey, you got to get to the chopper. And then he just kind of Spider-Man up that wall. Yeah. Until he got too fat at the top, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it looks like he's from what he said there, there may be a chance that he that he gets to come back at some point in the future. So. Well, I would like to see more, you know, kind of international teams and, mm -hmm. you know, show us what people are doing. One of the comics that I really liked way back in the day was something called uh, Contest of Champions. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever read that. It was from. I never read it, but, been... I, but I do. I do know of it. It was the early 80s and they mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, they, it was the collector or whatever or whoever coming to have a battle and they just mm -hmm. chose teams of heroes. But the heroes had to be international. Mm -hmm. So they introduced like some Irish woman called Shamrock and like right, the, yeah. a French dude called the Peregrine or that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And they're, I think, literally one appearance characters in the comic books. But then they're there, they're in canon and somebody can bring them back and put Yeah, there, there have been a bunch of those. Like there was Hawkman Dushland at one point too, I remember. Yeah. Um, was another, like, you know, Captain Germany. Um, sure. 
of course, you know, Union Jack, Captain Britain, Black Knight, all those too. Well, I think a British super team might be a, something good to see soon in the works. Mm. Isn't, uh, what's his name? Kit Harrington is playing Dane. Whitman yeah, he's, he's playing Black Eternals. Knight. And then they'd done. So yeah, they have, and now they got the X-Men right. So that presumably also includes Captain Britain as well. So. Right. So there could be like a MI-13 thing later on down the line or Excalibur or whichever way they choose to go with that. Bring in Pete Wisdom again. As... <laughs> that would be nice. I, I love Pete Wisdom. He's always one of my yep. favorite characters. Um, and uh, and then right now too, uh, in I don't know if it's right now, but a couple of years ago, they had the whole Agents of Atlas thing going on with the Asian characters. Right, had, right. Uh, South Koreans and Chinese and Taiwanese and all of that mixed together. That was kind of fun. Yeah, and they've and already introduced think, Jimmy Woo, so. And isn't Amadeus Cho been kind of name-dropped? He's His mother was in Age of Ultron, so. Okay. So, so yeah, so that's that exists. And then there's also a, a Philippine super team at one point in uh, Fractions Iron Man run, I think. Right. So. And then, of course, I've always, always wanted Alpha Flight to appear at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm talking old school Alpha Flight. I want Sasquatch and Puck. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, there I was, don't know who they would get as Puck, but <laughs> I remember everybody thought that when they announced that um, Peter Dinklage was going to be in Days of Future Past, everybody thought he was going to be playing Puck. Yeah, and so, then he was just a, a Trask. He was just he was Bolivar Trask. Yeah, so I did like they they didn't go with that expectation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, what do you think of Taskmaster in this movie? Uh I honestly I don't know why why did it have to be Taskmaster. Mm -hmm. Just again, it's another situation where they needed to name drop something and like, oh, what's a name we can use? Mm -hmm. Because and then I, I was very disappointed by the costume design. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't mind that it's a woman. I don't mind that it's Dracoff's daughter, but I do like the Taskmaster in the comics. Mm -hmm. And the Taskmaster is often used as a, um, a bit of a comic character. Right. Yeah. You know, he's kind of funny. He teams mm -hmm. up sometimes with the evil Ant-Man. And, you know, they're buddies and he's often hanging out at a bar with other villains. And... He had, uh, Gail Simone's Deadpool run. He, he was great. She had him in there a lot, too. And he plays both sides a lot of mm -hmm. the time. And, you know, he's I just like the costume with the skull and the hood mm -hmm. and the orange and the blue. And uh, isn't he very much like Deathstroke? Um, in terms of weapons and all that, maybe, I guess. Yeah, but, and look. But but. Not so much look, I'd say. I think Deadpool okay. is probably more like Deathstroke than anything else. Aren't they both an orange and blue motif, though? Oh, yeah, you're right. They, in terms of color scheme, yeah. So It's kind of one of those things where they're doing the parallel DC Marvel stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, and I also, like, I don't, I found the costume. To me, I had the same reaction as when I saw the Green Goblin in Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why can't they just go with the comic book costume why do they have to make it all mechy robot suit stuff mm -hmm. you know the same way with uh you know that throwaway scene with paul giamatti as the rhino mm -hmm. you know in his big tank costume mm -hmm. like give me the muscle guy stuck in a rhino suit like you know, <laughs> that's what i want i didn't have the same reaction to the costume as you did i thought the costume was was pretty well i thought it was a nice way to kind of integrate it in but i do agree with you about kind of being disappointed with uh taskmaster like it i wasn't as annoyed as i was with like the mandarin situation when right. when that came out but but i did 
I, I also do miss like kind of the, and I thought, you know, it, it worked for Natasha's character in, in this movie and all that to have Dracov's daughter come back that way. Um, but I think the biggest problem with it is why that revelation didn't hit as much is because we never really got much about Dracov's daughter. It was just that right. one throwaway line and that can be interpreted in many different ways from, sure. from, so it, that revelation that, you know, oh, she had thought she'd killed her, but it turns out, no, I think if we had known more about Dracov's daughter to begin with, I think it may have hit a, hit a little harder than it, than it was supposed right. to, than it did here. And I, I mean, I don't know if she should like forgive her so easily mm-hmm. and that, that kind of thing too, you know, maybe she should hold a little bit of a grudge if they're going right. to bring her back, yeah. but who knows, will they bring her back? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah. as people have said, because of that, you know, they've introduced all the widows and they've introduced Yelena and you know Taskmaster and all mm-hmm. that. How come they weren't in the final fight in Endgame and all that stuff? But right, yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. me wonder if they won't kind of CGI edit some of these people <laughs> in later on. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I I was I was missing that was my biggest, I think that was probably my biggest complaint about this movie. What was Taskmaster is and and again, not that I disliked what they did here. It's just that I missed the Taskmaster from the comics. I missed that kind of that bantery type of character. Um, yeah. Although the fact that it is not the same guy from the comics, it means they could always bring him back in some way. So. True. True. They just should have not used the name Taskmaster. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that was and just. I think you're right. They just felt like they had to use a character from the comics, and so they yeah. just picked Taskmaster. And I don't. I mean, I. I the fight sequences were okay but I don't know if they were super great with that mm-hmm. there were some nice little nods you know we got the the Hawkeye bow we got the Black Panther claws we had the uh, Winter Soldier knife flip we had the uh, cap shield stuff cap shield, of course yeah, yeah although I was kind of <laughs> I noticed in the chase scene in Budapest like there's that scene where they crash into the subway station in the car mm-hmm. And then uh, Taskmaster chases them and she throws the shield and the shield follows the path of the escalator. I was wondering <laughs> the physics on that, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was uh, maybe it was kind of a remote control thing or something. Maybe, maybe. Is it vibranium? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. what do you think of Ray Winston as the as Drakeoff? Honestly, generic. Mm-hmm. Like I I think this that one of the big draw flaws of this movie in general was that the villains weren't particularly strong or compelling i don't think yeah there wasn't a lot of there wasn't not a whole lot of memorable villains um and it was a little disappointing to see that i didn't recognize that it was ray winston at first um okay and i think that was also a little bit disappointing when i found out later because he usually does a much better job than even this. yeah well he was just kind of you know the big the fat beefy handed you know right. mafia guy that he always he often plays that so i could see why they cast him but i think they needed maybe a little more if they had added a scene or two earlier with him being really super evil that mm-hmm. would have helped maybe like in the opening credits kind of montage there where they're doing the whole human trafficking thing of the mm-hmm. widows and and then he says oh not that one not that one if they'd actually shown him maybe executing a couple of them or done something to make us feel like he was a really evil evil guy well i think we also I mean, it's obviously he's evil but yeah i think also it would have been nice to see more about his his connections with the u.s government because we get hints of that in the opening sequence like 
him with like Condoleezza Rice and Bill Clinton and all yeah. that. Um, yeah. And I would have liked to see more of that type stuff because I do sure. like when they find ways to to integrate, you know, superheroes into real history. Like Captain America uh, Winter Soldier did that really good where they worked in Operation Paperclip with Hydra. Yeah. And I would have liked to see more stuff like that. I think that would have been really cool. Um, but yeah, he was now, just... Does he... Was he is he dead? I couldn't really tell if that was confirmed or not. It seemed like the same kind of thing of the explosion at his building where did we see a body? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the intent is that he's dead because that's, yeah. you know, giving Natasha that closure. Um, right. Although it, it is kind of weird because, you know, the, the whole movie is for this movie to exist, they have to undo this closure that she already thought she had. Right. So I think that's, that's also kind of a weird thing. Like I would not have set this after civil war. If I were making this movie, I would have actually set it before Iron Man and all that. I would have had it right. shown like her defection from shield yeah. and all that. I think that would have been the way to do it. Yeah. Well, I think we could have used a little more origin story. I mean, mm -hmm. Natasha in the comics is kind of, isn't she slightly like slow aging as well in the yeah. comics? Yeah. Yeah like Captain America style or whatever? Yeah, because like she, she was, because um, Captain America and Wolverine rescued her as a little girl in World War II. Yeah, like she was around in the 60s or whatever during the Cuban Missile Crisis and all right. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yes, yeah, so they've established that she's got like kind of an infinity formula type of thing and she ages slowly. Um, Winter Soldier disputed that. They threw that out okay. because they, they established her birthday as 1984. Right. Yeah, well, I guess it, I mean, it makes more sense with the, in the MCU because mm -hmm. the actors are going to age and that kind of thing. So they don't want to be using the de-aging technology too much. Right, right. I think it, it was also, it's also been a little bit confusing though, because she talks about being part of the KGB and yeah. uh, Age of Ultron, but KGB was, was, it was no longer part, of, was no longer existed. By well, the time. that's just it, right? Like yeah. Ohio was what, 1995? Something like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems a bit late. Yeah, yeah. You know, this was already when the Berlin Wall was gone, and, you know, so it doesn't really... I would say that, like, the, the Cold War hidden Russian family thing is more like a late 70s, early 80s trope. That's what I felt, too, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, there's some problems as far as that, that timeline goes and all that, and, and I would like to have seen more of the origin story stuff like you said, and I think it would have worked it so much better if it had been about her defection from the red room. Yeah. Cause I don't yeah, think well, that's not a whole, given. Yeah. Cause there's not really, we don't really, I don't really think we need to see how she gets from the end of civil war to the beginning of infinity war. I mean, it, that's not a big, that's not a difficult leap to make. It's obvious, you know, yeah. she, and also it seems like they've got two Quinjets now because they, because right. Cap'n uh, stole the Quinjet at the end Civil War anyway. So, and then they give her one oh, here in this movie. Yeah. Oh, right. But maybe he left that in Wakanda for repairs. Or, something. I guess or maybe so, yeah. Rick, maybe Rick Mason stole that one. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it so, was. Uh, what about Rick Mason? Like, what did you think about that guy's character? I mean, he was, he was interesting. He was fun, I thought, but there wasn't a whole. It wasn't really much for him. He was just there to be the guy who, you know, gives them what they need. Because I read, I read that they added some extra scene with him at the end because he, they, he tested well. Oh, really? With audiences okay. or whatever. I mean, he, so he's a, he did a good job in the performance. I mean, he wasn't, he was a fun little character, but it wasn't anything that like, you know, I'm not like dying again, to see like the return of Rick Mason. Name or drop, 
it's another name drop thing mm-hmm. where they're just kind of using a name for no apparent reason because apparently in the comics he's the son of the tinkerer Phineas oh Mason. okay okay and then his son was killed in the stanford incident which set mm. off civil war oh, okay. and then he's more of a miss marvel character like he's a counter kind of agent espionage air force captain marvel stuff okay or miss marvel rather okay i didn't like know that he marvel was yeah. I didn't know that he was um, he was the Tinkerer's son. That's interesting because yeah. uh, they had the Tinkerer in Homecoming too. Yeah. Did you notice there was that little moment when um, Nat and Yelena go to get the helicopter, and he calls her Serena? Like I didn't when notice Mason, that. No. Yeah, when Mason, I rewound it several times because Mason called Yelena Serena. And I'm wondering if that was her cover name or there was a scene somewhere else, but they didn't really, they edited it, they cut that out. Maybe, so. that's a, I, I didn't even notice that. So that's a good point. Because he obviously knew both of them, right? Separately. Right, yeah, yeah. Because he set her up in the safe house in Budapest. Yeah. You know, so he's working all angles and he knows all these people. Whether or not he knows about their relationship, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever think that he might be the taskmaster? Because I'd heard some people saying they thought he might be the taskmaster. I didn't have any suspicions going in one way or the other, uh, but I do know that was a that was a big question mark because in all they did those one sheet posters of each of the main cast members, right? And it had their had the actor's name on it, except for Taskmaster. Taskmaster was the oh, okay. only one didn't have an actor's name on it, so everybody was wondering. Is the Taskmaster someone else in the cast? Is the Taskmaster someone we've already seen in the MCU? Or, no, or they couldn't like really put Olga Kurilenko on there. It would have given away the whole... Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's a woman. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see... Do you think we're going to see any of these widows again? Any of the other ones? I, I, I think I'd be surprised if we did, but, yeah. but you never know. I mean, I never thought that after um after ed norton was gone that i never thought we'd see uh william hurt come back as as ross and now you know he's been in three three extra movies so yeah do you think we'll ever see ross as red hulk i don't think we'll see that (laughs) no he's too old but yeah uh... but i mean i am glad they brought him that was that was one of the things that kind of disappointed me too about this is that they had made kind of a big thing about william hurt being back as ross in this movie and outside of that opening scene he didn't really have any any real purpose in the movie no he just came on to name drop barton and wilson's names and Mm -hmm. establish the timeline and forget paul red's name or scott lang's name (laughs) that interesting it was interesting that opening scene though i like the kind of bait and switch that they did with uh black widow or nat you know we think there's going to be a big fight and then she opens the door of a fair on a ferry and she's Mm -hmm. not even in the country yeah and then the actual I think it's quite telling that the first fight is Yelena's. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of establishes to me that this is maybe Yelena's movie. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, and I, th- I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and really take a look, but I think that the fight choreography in general was not as good in this movie as it has been in previous MCU movies. Yeah, it wasn't anything. It was fine, I thought. It was, ser- it was definitely serviceable, but it, it, nothing that stood out, really. Yeah. Because I think just like I say, I watched Civil War very recently, and uh, even Age of Ultron, there are some mm-hmm. very good uh, fight sequences in that. Yeah, uh, and even especially with Black Widow, she's got some really good fight sequences there. But and here, I did I like how they um, 
Yeah, same. I agree. Um, I also did like how they worked in her her classic costume at the end yep. there. Like I thought that was a nice little nod to the comics, even because she did wear this white suit as well in the comics at one point too. Yeah. So I sure. did like how they worked both of those in. Yeah, I'm hoping she was she wore the white suit in the snow situation, right? <laughs> I'm, I can't remember. All I know is I had seen like mentions of it um, in in, yeah. in the comics at some point. Because I don't think she wears a white suit for the Moon Knight purposes of so they can see her coming. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Ashley, any other things you wanted to mention about, about this movie? Um, not a whole lot. I mean, I just, like, if you haven't seen it, just see it for Florence Pugh's performance alone. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just, I think she's a real, real nice addition to this cast. Yeah. Uh, to the whole MCU universe. And I'm hoping they're going to do a lot with her going forward. Because I think she's really, really good actor. Um, yeah. Like I say, that the dinner table scene in the middle of the movie where they're having the family reunion and she's just pounding shots of vodka and mm-hmm. getting more and more hurt by what they're saying. And, you know, the fact that it was her, that was real to her. That was her childhood. Like, mm-hmm. why don't ruin this for me? Like, you know, so I just think she'll be a very nice addition to the cast. And I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing what happens with her in Hawkeye. Same here, yeah. Well, also on uh, that do front, you think, yeah. I just want to mention too that I forgot to mention uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus appearing in the yes. in the post-credit <laughs> scene. Um, yeah. Just like I have been so psyched about seeing her in the MCU ever since she popped up in Falcon and Winter yeah. Soldier. And why like, she's so good? She is, yeah. <laughs> and part, I mean, part of it is, I mean, she is playing this. Essentially, she's Selena Meyer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> But I, I love her. Like, you know, you can't just not love her. Yeah. Uh, and I think that she, her Falcon and Winter Soldier appearance was great. And this was great too. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there'd be any difference if they were switched because Black Widow was supposed to come out earlier, apparently. So this was, it was yeah. to be our first scene. This so was supposed to be the first time we idea. saw her. In, yeah. So yeah. I, think, I think that would have landed a lot more. I think it would have been a lot more groundbreaking if yeah. this had been her first appearance. Because it was great just seeing her stroll in in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but yeah. I think having her appear just in this, like it would have been just been like an atom bomb on the fan on right. fandom. But I mean, in this movie, she didn't introduce herself or anything. She just said, "Here's your next mission." Like in Falcon and Winter Soldier, she tells them her name. She tells them how to say it. She says it's short for you can say Val, but don't say it in real life. Say it in your brain. <laughs> you know? Well, I think because um, she does. Uh, I think there was that one line where where Yelena calls her Valentina. Oh, and okay. so there was that, but they didn't say anything more, which I think would have gotten, would have made people go crazy because yeah. everybody would have known, everybody who knows about, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comics would have been like, oh, that's the Contessa. Yeah, yeah. So Are I think, they build, do you think they're building towards the Thunderbolts here or what? Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers or something like that. Yeah, because, or like I say, we said the champions and the uh, Young Avengers mix, right. maybe a Dark Avengers mix. Right, because you know we've already got um, John Walker officially becoming U.S. agent at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier. We've got yeah. Yelena in here now too. Um, Zemo is still out there somewhere. Is, Abomination. Mostly Abominations in Shang-Chi. So. Yep, he's popping up in Shang-Chi. He's, he's supposed to be appearing in She-Hulk too, I believe. Yeah. Well, I'm all for Zemo coming back because he yes. was fantastic in Captain and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, it was it was interesting because we were Falcon talking. I was talking about it with I think I was talking about it with Adam and just his he didn't really have a real reason to be in that show, but he was yeah. just so entertaining while he was in it. 
Yeah, well, he's so good. He was yeah. so good in Civil War. Too. Same year, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know, so I think that'll be good. And then I don't know, Agatha Harkness, White Vision. Mm-hmm. White Vision. <laughs> I, I'm hope because Paul Bettany has said he doesn't know if he's coming back or not. He okay. hasn't. He hasn't really been told if he's coming back or anything. So right. Yeah. It's. It seems like he'd be willing to. It seems I, like he would. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. The like with WandaVision, I think they've kind of burned already the Vision series that they could have done if they had just adapted that really great uh, run of the comics from three or four years ago where he was living in suburban America. Mm -hmm. The introduction of Viv Vision and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe they'll introduce Viv Vision somehow too. Who knows? They might find a way to work it out. I mean, that could be kind of how Vision tries to pierce some piece himself back together after all of this so yeah i think there's definitely a world where you could do some of that although i think part of wandavision was they were going back to to tom king's run anyway right and then are they going to i heard a rumor that disney is trying to angling to buy sony now to try to get spider-man back i would not put any stock in that (laughs) no maybe it was from uh we got this covered probably yeah yeah or grace randolph or any other the the snake oil (laughs) salesman they got around there on twitter yeah all right uh ashley uh thanks so much for coming on um thanks i don't know if you got me. any any i don't know if you got anything you wanted to to promote or direct people uh, no i got nothing to plug at all i just you know just to you keep up with the good work and uh as i say i've been listening to the past podcasts of this and so i'm happy to kind of come in and uh be able to take part in this and um my condolences on the loss of Derek. well thanks uh, i appreciate that just listening to him again and again makes me uh, happy and sad at the same time, even yeah. though I never met the guy. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel the same thing and I did, and I did know him. So, but I, yeah. but I do find myself just re-listening to old episodes just so I can, you know, still have that, um, still remember what it was like to have him on the show. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Anytime I'm, I'm willing to come back anytime you'll have me and uh, let me know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. More than plenty coming down the pipeline. And there's plenty more that we haven't even covered that's already come to happen. So yeah. Maybe Iron Man 3? No, we haven't done that yet. So um, we've only done the first Iron Man so far. We yeah, haven't done I know. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so that does right. it for us. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. Um, this will probably actually be the last video episode we're doing uh, just because vid- YouTube uh, presence hasn't been that big. Okay. So we'll probably just be switching to audio only from, from this point on. But anyway, okay. thanks so much for, for being, for listening, for watching. Uh, please go to superherocinephiles.com or give us a review on Apple podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. And also uh, you can follow us on super cinema pod, both on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. And if you're interested in coming on the show and being a guest, you can drop me a line through the contact form or emailed me directly at superherocinephiles at gmail.com. Thanks again. Listening to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SuperCinemaPod. Join our Facebook group by searching for Superhero Cinephiles, where you can interact with us and other superhero fans. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a regular supporter at Patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
Thank you for listening. And as always, good night, good evening, God bless.